1: Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyra and West Mitchell along with you on this Friday afternoon, getting you set for a full weekend of not only college basketball, but NFL playoffs as well. And uh, speaking of college basketball, the great week of college basketball rolled on last night as the women's team did go on the road to Baton Rouge and it wasn't easy, but they found a way to pick it up there in the end, pulling away with the seventy-six to seventy victory over number nine LSU. As Don Staling Company remain undefeated in two thousand twenty-three and two thousand twenty-four. Yeah, I
0: mean that was the type of thing you dream of, and that's whether you are a South Carolina fan, really an LSU fan, or just a, a women's basketball fan. Awesome game! You always just a, as a sports fan standpoint you hope those things can just live up to the hype and and this game was obviously highly hyped up LSU crowd showed out great atmosphere great example of what women's college basketball can be can be and you know i i just i thought it was a fantastic game top to bottom and then of course South Carolina um just doing what they do i i thought that i thought so Kim Mulkey tried to make a point during that end game interview she was like they they've been here before we haven't right and i was like that's re- they if you look at they as a program sure maybe so they as the actual human beings on the court not not really i mean lsu is the team that has people who played and started in a national championship last year so for south carolina to have sort of I mean, their entire team, as has been well-documented, sort of taking on bigger and newer roles. I, I, thought this, I thought this game, whether they won or lost, was exactly what they needed because teams have just not been able to test them yet this year. Sure. They had to deal with some adversity, being down 11, you know, m- multiple times, really. It felt like South Carolina would chip away, then LSU would extend it back out. It, and so to have to fight through that on the road, Huge crowd, great crowd, loud crowd. I, I thought that was fantastic. I, I, I mean, you take the win if you're South Carolina, obviously. There was part of me that said it didn't even matter if you won or lost because this was going to be something that was going to be good for them in the long run in their final push for a title.
1: And that's something we talked about a little bit yesterday. When you're a program that has experienced as much success as South Carolina has, you know, finding those motivating factors finding those ways to always be trying to improve can be tough at times and look Don says one of the greatest coaches to ever you know coach in this um, respective sport so she's going to find a way to motivate her team but like you said last night was kind of the perfect opportunity to be pushed to your limits and and not play your best basketball for Three, three and a half quarters, roughly, and still find a way to win. To where you come away, you're still undefeated. All that's good, but you really have to look yourself in the mirror and say, "Wow, we really escaped with that one." What do we have to do going forward to get better? Because you have the opportunity to potentially see that team again in the SEC tournament, maybe in the NCAA tournament again. Like they are a national championship contender once again, and they gave you everything that they could ha- that you could handle for four quarters last night. Again, came away with the win, but you still have things to improve on. Still have things to work on.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think that's a good thing, and I, I think that if you are if you're South Carolina and you're trying to just continue to develop um, as individuals and as a team, you need to be in those moments, and really because because things have in some ways I believe the way Don Staley said it in the past, uh, things have come so easy for this team. They've been able to to blow teams out at, at times and not even play near their best, and, and that's just because. They are truly that talented and and is that deep of a lineup. And so for South Carolina, you you imagine at some point on the path to another possible title, you're going to run into a game where you have to face adversity and where you're down and where maybe you're just not playing all that well and you have to kind of just grind through it and give yourself a chance. They obviously adjusted at halftime, came out with a lot more energy in the second half, kind of took... Took the fight to LSU. I thought they were way more South Carolina's way more physical to start off the second half, and you know, then you just look down the stretch, making big plays. Breezy Hall, who I, I think is another just perfect example of how this staff develops players. Her jump from last year to this year has been phenomenal. Her confidence, the the way she shot those two three pointers late, that ended up being the difference in the game was just um, – that that's what you want to see from players as they continue to develop within your program. And it would have been easy, you know, you build all this confidence mm-hmm. by, again, beating up on teams that are, that are talented in their own right, some of them, but South Carolina's sure. just been better than everybody they've stepped on the floor with. Yeah. It would have been well, easy to kind of – I don't want to say give into to the moment, but to be a little less confident in that moment. Sure. And she stepped in and used her – I mean, perfect form. She has a beautiful shot, and she relied on her training remained confident and drilled both of those shots late.
1: And, you know, South Carolina ended up going 7 or 20 from beyond the arc last night. We've talked so much about how big the three ball is becoming in this offense this year, which is kind of the biggest change from what they were a season ago and in years past where they were just, you know, this physical dominant team that was going to beat you up the entire time, which they still do an element of that. Now you have the three ball, which adds a lot more flash to what this offense is. And they, they did struggle with it through parts of that game, but they hit threes at key times. You mentioned Breezy Hall with those threes at the end of the game that really kind of... Sealed it for South Carolina, and I point to one full Wiley right for halftime. She hits it literally a buzzer beater at halftime to um, you know send a, a South Carolina to the locker room. Still down at that point in time, but you know you talk about carrying at least a little semblance of momentum into the locker room. Camilla Cardoso finally got her first points of the game with about 28 seconds left in the second half. Like Those little things they were able to carry in the locker room that you said, you come out in the second half, play a lot better, still you know trailed for roughly the next quarter and a half. When they finally got the lead, didn't relinquish it. We were able to come away with the victory last night.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, Vuali has found a knack. I I think she thrives in in kind of those moments. She's found a knack for for hitting buzzer beaters, it seems like, at the end of quarters and halves. And so that was not a surprise. I I thought she really – I don't know what the box score would show for her, but she really gave them a boost as far as hanging around in the first half. And – for for a freshman who, as we've talked about earlier this year, is in a spot where for the first time in her, I'm sure, entire basketball life has had to sit and watch at times has had to say, "Look, uh, I'm you know there are veterans ahead of me, there are, are girls who've waited their turn ahead of me. Now I have to at times wait my turn." She was bringing the energy on the bench as well. Like even yeah. when she was not on the court, she was uh, very involved in the game, encouraging her teammates, and then actually as dynamic as she is as an offensive player she's a superstar I liked how she played defense man like she was locked in she was being disruptive she was um being high energy on that side of the ball as well I I thought that was big for South Carolina because you know this this is an LSU team that you know they they have some superstars in their starting lineup I don't think they were near as deep as South Carolina I I thought they were they don't necessarily um have a lot of depth at at point guard. They're trying to, I I guess, play Van Lith there, but Mm -hmm. um, I I thought the, the broadcast actually did a fantastic job of pointing out a couple of times where entry passes from the guards for LSU were not quite as accurate as they could have been. Sure. And that led to either foul opportunities, um, you know, on the LSU side or turnover opportunities for South Carolina. And so, no, I th- I thought that was a, a a big difference in this game as well, and then of course, um, a I I thought Angel Reese, um, just not a very good decision on that final foul. That mm. she was upset with the the fourth foul, but I think when they showed the replay, it it was a foul. Sure, and then the fifth one, she was she just walked off. She knew she yeah. had fouled. You've got it, two other teammates around the basketball. You got to just know. Unless yeah. I have a clean
1: block, yeah, yeah. Uh, grabbing. I think it was Raven Johnson's arm no, there. Silly. I mean, it's not going to be any any kind of controversy. It's it's a clear cut call there. And, and you know, South Carolina did, did a good job of trying to attack whoever she was on, trying to force her to get that foul. And then for the last four minutes of the game, you mentioned LSU not being deep. They only pulled two girls off the bench with Del Rosario and and Powell. Um, to where once you lost her again not only one of the best players on that team, one of the best players in all of college basketball, South Carolina took over from there and was able to close out the game on an 11-2 run and, um, you know, end up winning it there. So, um, yeah, you know, a mistake on uh, Angel Reese's part there, not playing that very smart at the end of the game. But, again, that's kind of one of those things that when you see the opportunity, you take advantage of it, and that helped you win. It, it did, and I, I thought the, the beauty of this team is
0: you can sit there and you can pick out, hey, this girl made a great plays that help you win. I mean, early on you know, she wasn't as much of a factor late, but Chloe Kitts uh, Mm. really, I I thought, was up for the moment for South
1: Carolina. Chloe Kitts, to me, was the glue in that first half because the rest of the team was struggling. They were struggling to get points, struggling to get rebounds. She looked very clunky. She had 10 points in the first half. Uh, Again, the rest of the team kind of came along in the second half. She really held it together in that first half for the team because she was the one getting the points, grabbing rebounds. She was kind of the, the, the spark for that team in the first half when not everybody else was kind of on that level yet.
0: Yeah, and she, man, she's playing with such confidence and, again, d- development. Like, these these are all top recruits. Like, we, we know that. These are all if – you, if you come to this program, you're a top prospect. You're getting recruited by everybody. But the development that we've seen from year over year, you know, from Kitts, who, who obviously everybody knows now, came in early and had her battles last year. Ashlyn Watkins, a local mm-hmm. star who kind of had to settle into her role at South Carolina, um, she had a, a late bucket that where, where she just went right at LSU on the baseline, and I was like, "That that is a confident player. And I, I don't know if she necessarily always played with that confidence as a freshman last year. And so I, I, I do think from a greater standpoint, so women's college basketball continuing to – Grow in popularity, and while all the other sports now there's still transfers mm-hmm. in, in in women's basketball. Sure, that LSU team transfers across the board. South Carolina obviously um, goes a little bit more towards the development piece, but
1: yeah. Powell has been a big part of the team yeah. this year.
0: Cardoso, we, yeah, Cardoso we think of well. her as a as She's a been high here school. for a while. Yeah, but still, yeah. Um, originally went to Syracuse. Yeah, but even then. If you're a fan of one of these teams, you get, you know, one, two, three, sometimes four years of buying into watching one of these players. Whereas, sure. you know, we've talked about it with football, men's basketball, these other sports, it's kind of year year, one, you know, the rosters, there's just so much turnover. So sure. I, I do okay. wonder, does that not continue to help the popularity of women's basketball moving forward?
1: I, I think it could. And, and you know, Don and, and Coach Mulkey, you know, last night both talked in their post game about, you know, how big a game like this was for women's basketball. We obviously talked about it a lot, you know, with the Final Four and the buzz that surrounded that last year and the great ratings those games got and all that kind of stuff. You know, when we tune into sports, obviously we want to see good competition, but we also tune in for the familiarity of the characters of the players. And when you Mm -hmm. have not only the coaches in Staley and Mulkey and and like that, but you have your Angel Reese's, you have your Camila Cardosas. Last year you had Leah Boston, girls like that, these names that you know that you respect as the best players in college basketball. When you hear, hey, they're going to be playing against each other, I want to tune into that because those are brands that you've come to know. and, And, you know, part of, That can also go to the fact there's not as many opportunities in a professional sense when it comes to women's basketball because WNBA is a lot smaller, not as many draft picks, not as many opportunities to go to the league, you know, if you're a great player at the college level. So, yeah, these girls stay in college a lot longer. There's less movement across the board when it comes to the transfer portal. Still some, as we mentioned, but you do have that opportunity to have that familiarity much like college basketball was 20 and 30 years ago where guys were hanging around three, four years and you really got to know them, got to hate them if you're on the other side and really kind of build these brands within the sport. We're kind of seeing that with college basketball or women's college basketball now.
0: Yeah. And even, you know, I, I had this thought with, uh, with college football this week, we we've lost, uh, for the sport, two of our great, personalities in yep. Sabin and Harbaugh, two of the, the great yeah. brands, two of the big names, two of the, you know, you either love them or you love to hate them. Sure. And so last night's game ha- had everything both uh, as far as the coaches go. Yeah. Two just two dynamic uh, individuals, but two very different individuals. And then sure. both sides, you have personalities on, on each side. You, I mean, here in Columbia, we obviously looked at LSU as playing the villain Sure role but man, you know, if you're an LSU fan, you probably found some reasons to right. to dislike South Carolina. so right. um it, it had the it had the story
1: beyond right. the actual game as well i'm I'm really glad you brought up that point about losing some personalities in in college football because actually brought that point up earlier. I do want to get your thoughts on that. We'll hit that coming up. It's the Gamecock Central takeover hour presented by Firehouse Subs. He's watched Mitchell and I'm Tyler head here on the game in Columbia Florence and Myrtle Beach 107.5 the game map and stream live on the game TV sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Mitchell, along with you on this beautiful Friday after or morning, not afternoon yet, as the sun has finally come out, giving us that false hope of spring before it gets cold again next week. Um, but the nicer days are hopefully not far away on a consistent basis. Um, you said something a moment ago. Actually, real quick, remind everybody, coming up in a little bit, we have another chance for you to win the Vegas Big Game Giveaway. Another keyword is going to be coming up in the... Halftime show, um, with uh, me and Terry uh, again. You'll text that number to nine five eight one nine for your next chance to win the uh, Vegas Big Game giveaway. Um, you mentioned something there in that last segment. where We were talking about you know women's basketball, uh, about kind of relating it to college football. Where you now you've had the characters like Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, no longer a part of the college game. I asked this question in the nine o'clock hour and got a fair amount of responses to it. I believe college football is without a villain going into 2024. Nick Saban was at that helm for roughly 15 years. Not that he's a bad person by any means, but he encompassed encompassed that like you either loved him or you hated him. And a lot of people hated him because he was so dang good. And even as of late, Jim Harbaugh with the controversy and with his quirkiness and brashness rubbed people the wrong way too where a lot of people either loved him or hated him. I even go back to a couple years ago, Urban Meyer when he was in college football. Now he was kind of a bad person when it came to off the field stuff, but he's somebody that kind of encompassed that villain role as well. I don't really think we have that going into 2024. Now there are potential candidates out there that could ascend to that level, but I don't think anybody's in that same conversation with those three guys who are now no longer coaching in the college game.
0: Yeah, and you you need those personalities. Like, believe it or not, they, they drive things off the field. Everybody loves a good story, and sure. whether you even think of it like that, it's kind of like, so, I mean, it's like pro wrestling. Sure. You, you don't you don't care about a pro wrestling match unless there's a story to make you care about it. And that, uh, in some ways, expands to college football. Now, a great game is going to be a great game if there are high, high stakes for it. You know, there's going to be high stakes, but it, it there's a reason they put together those little cinematic trailers going mm. into a game and uh, provide you storylines and provide you reasons to care. And so... You know, th- there will always be, you hope, uh, another guy to come along and, and take up that mantle. But for right now, until somebody steps forward with that, it, it does. there is a lack of, uh, I think, personalities. And But you, you also, you have to have enough success that that personality
1: matters. That's the big thing because, and I brought up, okay, you know, Kirby won his one back-to-back national championships. Dabo obviously has two national championships, and those guys— can be in that conversation. I don't think And look, we're we're going to be preconceived to you know think negatively of Dabo because of the rivalry aspect. But from a national, you know, perspective across all of college football, and yes, we like to talk about the goofy things that Dabo says, you know, in press conferences or you know talking to Tyler from Spartanburg. But I don't think he's like universally hated across the landscape of college football or seen in that villainous light the same way like a Saban or a Harbaugh would have. And Kirby Smart's kind of the same way. It's like, yes, he's been successful, but I don't think he is, you know, uh, rubs people the wrong way like some of those other coaches do. But you do have to have the air of success because we did have some people that brought up in the Firehouse Subs text line, 803-404-6100, like Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, very brash personality that rubs people the wrong way. The success is coming. Had a great year this past year at Ole Miss, you know, 11-1 season on the cusp of maybe being a playoff team this upcoming year with everything they do in the transfer portal, but that success has to be consistent. Same thing with Coach Prime out there in Colorado. Obviously a big personality that people feel one way or the other about. They went 4-8 this year, which is exceeding the expectation more than what people thought they were going to do, but they have to be a, like a legitimate national threat to kind of, in my opinion, get to that upper echelon of that villain type of role.
0: Yeah, they, they are the two that are... Kind of in the queue right now, you would say. Like I I, I struggle to think of anybody else who has the personality to kind of pull that off right now while also having, at least in the case of Ole Miss, a team that can do it. We'll see with Colorado. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they were the center point of college football for a couple of weeks. Now, some of that was media-driven. Sure. But once they beat TCU and you were like, wait, is this team actually good? And come to find out, they they weren't, but they were better than expected. So, yeah, Prime is obviously going to be the top example. Kiffin, I, I think Kiffin will, could very quickly, like right now, they are still a little bit more in the like I, I think almost lovable because we didn't we didn't necessarily take Ole Miss seriously. I feel like I think it's more like oh, they're still the underdog. Let's see if they can sure. upend Sabin. Let's see if right. they can upend LSU. And so, to me, they have, with with, with no Sabin though, to be like, oh, that's what they're fighting towards. I mean, Ole Miss is going to be preseason. They're going to be picked top five, top eight by pretty much everybody based on what they have coming back and coming in. Sure. We know Kiffin is going to be uh, a guy that rubs people. He's going to get reactions, of course. Love him or hate him, he's going to get he's reactions.
1: Very entertaining.
0: That I feel like could very quickly, yeah. He could turn from face to hill, sure. Very very quickly, and ma- maybe that starts this off season when team when fans start getting tired of hearing about. Oh, this is Ole Miss's year. This is Ole Miss's year. It now it it's a better storyline. It's more fun, of course, if they are chasing a Nick Saban-led Alabama because then they're kind of still the underdog and it's they've never done sure. it before. Well,
1: and he he was the one that consistently poked the bear when it came to Saban. Now, yes, the results on the field didn't end up in, the, in that way, but he was, wasn't was the person to take a jab at him at a press conference or, you know, mess around with him on social media or whatever it may be. So, again, the, the, the character elements are there, but the success does have to follow. And, look, this isn't going to be fixed in one year. If Ole Miss goes on and wins the national championship in a single season, we're not going to say, whoa, suddenly, you know... Lane Kiffin is the guy, the villain of college football. It's going to take sustained success over a couple of years to kind of cement yourself as that guy.
0: I'm trying to think. Dan Lanning actually has some personality to him, I feel
1: like. I feel like not enough people know about Dan Landing yet. I feel like he's still new in a lot of people's minds. We obviously know him from his time at Georgia and was a relevant name down here for, for years, but you know, from a national standpoint, I think he's still new in a lot of people's minds.
0: I think that could have quickly changed if they had gotten to the college football playoff mm-hmm. and they're they're gonna play now the playoff has expanded, their their path uh now it's different in, in that, you know, they're gonna be in the big ten now. Sure. Which is something I have to remind myself every time we talk about Oregon. But, yes,
1: We're all gonna make that mistake.
0: But I, I think in terms of getting in, you know, they're 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 gonna be in a lot of national matchups. Sure. And um you know, now they're, they're going to be facing Michigan, Ohio State on a relatively normal basis. So he he's someone, if you pay attention to him, he does have a little bit of personality to him, especially to be a, a defensive guy. A lot of times defensive guys are a little bit more low-key, I feel like, in press conferences, whereas offensive guys are a little bit more kind of out there. Mm-hmm. He, he's he got a chance. I'm trying to think across the board. Sark. Mm,
1: I don't know. I brought up Ryan Day, but I I feel like he's more of kind of puts-his-foot-in-his-mouth guy more than anything else. Well, and, he, dude, he's –
0: it's hard to believe. Ryan Day's been there for, what, seven years now? Is this Uh, year
1: eight? It's getting close to that. What, uh, Meyer last season in 18, maybe, 18, 19? It it feels like Day – But he was the offensive coordinator before that, so he's been in the program for a while. He's
0: been there forever now and just hasn't really emerged as a guy that people either – Love or hate, I feel like nationally,
1: I feel like there's a a notion because he's at Ohio State, which is a big brand in college football, that kind of elevates him a little bit. You know, if he was at Indiana doing the same things with me talking about him, but you know, being tied to that kind of brand certainly elevates him in a lot of people's minds. But I don't think he's like because an element of villain again is somebody there has to be fear of facing that team. We'll get you mm. in ties into the success part, like. You may have hated Nick Saban, but you were terrified to play his teams because they were so dang good. And obviously, same thing with Michigan the past couple of years, with the success that they had. Like that goes hand in hand with it. And well, I say it's been good, obviously, um, but they've been you know kind of a step behind Michigan these past couple of years, um, primarily under the uh, Ryan Day tenure.
0: Brian Kelly. That's a, that's a that's
1: an underrated one right
0: there. Hugh Freeze, that... can they get turned around quick enough to
1: maybe? Hugh Freeze also has that element of like we know he's done nefarious things off the football field but he's like denies it you know what i mean like doesn't even acknowledge that those kind of things happen so i think that got also kind of baked into it he is a good football coach I and mean, we've yeah. seen him have success not to like that upper level quite yet but he could certainly get Auburn there in the next couple of years yeah and
0: and he'll have like the bible verse under his name oh, yeah. on the We're graphic like, come on man
1: <laughs> we you, we know what you did at lsu Allegedly. Allegedly, right. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, good conversation. <laughs> Miss. Yeah, good conversation to have of, you know, the future of college football with or without villains. We'll, we'll dive back into some basketball coming up next, as we did hear from Coach Paris last night on Carolina Calls, as they get set to refocus as uh, they got Missouri coming up tomorrow. We'll dive into that. Up next, in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game in Columbia, Florence, Memorial Beach, the 107.5 The Game Map, streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. They've had some close losses, and trust me, this league, we, we used this last year, this league will wait for you, right? It doesn't matter when you go on an eight-game winning streak. It doesn't matter when that happens. You can start off 0-6 and finish off, in a, and, and they're going to wait for you. The nation's going to wait for you to be back in the good graces if you ever do that. You think about last year, I think it was Mississippi State started off 1-7 in the league, right? It yep. makes the NCAA tournament. Yep. So and Arkansas started off terrible in the 100%. league? 100%. So yeah. there's no, you're never out of it in this conference. Uh, you're never out of the, the, the grand scheme of things because of the strength of this conference. So what a better way in their minds to get their streak started than to come here and exact a little revenge on us. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, Wes Mitchell, along with you here in the 11 o'clock hour. That, of course, was Coach Paris last night on Carolina Calls. They get set to get back in action coming up tomorrow afternoon as they take on Missouri at 1 o'clock out at Colonial Life Arena. Pre-game coverage starting right here on the game at 12.30. And it's obviously been a very fun week on all fronts for basketball, starting off with that win against Kentucky and, you know, last night against, um, you know, LSU as well for the women. I, I think you know, how this team looks tomorrow is going to be just as important and just as indicative of what the success they're going to have going forward is as Tuesday night's win was because you're riding high, you're feeling good, you know, everybody's finally talking about you from a national perspective, you know, probably going to get ranked here in a couple days um, as well. And you have this opponent that's coming in that you – barely scraped by a couple weeks ago in Como, hasn't won a conference game. There's this natural inclination. Again, we're talking about 18- to 22-year-olds. Like, hey, we would just be at a top-10 team. We shouldn't have any problem with Missouri. Be careful because that's where you can trip up.
0: Yeah, you're, you're on a high right now, obviously. And, and I don't know how many of these guys have online classes versus in-person classes and, and all that. But I, I always thought it was interesting in traditional college athletics how you go from just going to class and mm-hmm. hearing all your classmates praise you, right, for a week after maybe um, maybe your classmates maybe you hear little murmurs about oh you know we stink or or you don't hear anything and you don't even get acknowledged and then kind of all of campus is buzzing or really this whole town is buzzing right now about basketball and there there is a in my opinion leading up to the game on Tuesday it felt kind of like the buzz leading up to a big football game. Mm -hmm. And so people have been talking about this team. I was at a restaurant on Wednesday night and the people around me, Hey, you know, we, we beat Kentucky on Tuesday and uh, we're really good this year. And so there's a, a real buzz about this team. So I do think the fact that you have a, a group of veterans. Now they maybe haven't all played together until this season, but these are older guys. These aren't, for the most part, freshmen and sophomores. So you have great leadership on this team. I I think they are going to be able to handle that aspect. But there is just also the fact of, hey, this is sports. And sometimes you're going to have games where everything's clicking. Sometimes you're going to have games where it's not, and you have to still find a way to win, especially at home. Missouri's probably sitting there saying, hey, we owe these guys one. We may have struggled, but we were in a position to, to beat South Carolina at Missouri, you know, at home for them. And so, th- there's a lot that's going to be on the line. I think for South Carolina, Missouri, you're just trying to to find something to get some momentum going. South Carolina, you're you're looking at 17 and three overall, five and two in conference play. If you can just take care of business, one o'clock tomorrow, CLA. And hey, the the fans gotta find a way to get up again as well. It's probably not going to be quite like number six at your place blackout Tuesday night. Sure. From what I've seen, though, looks like from you know the, the tickets are close. I mean, it might be close to being a sellout again. Mm-hmm. South Carolina have to bring the energy again.
1: Um, I think Beamer speaking at halftime. Yeah, he's gonna be able. He's gonna introduce the new recruit uh, commits, new transfer guys, kind of yeah, introduction guys. to the new guys uh, for this year.
0: Yeah, so that actually at a town like this always adds a little bit of extra buzz as mm-hmm. well. So it, it's all right there if you're South Carolina. You. This this is a good problem to have, right? Like you'd sure. rather have this problem than you would be sitting there like last year where you're just trying to find anything positive. So yep. uh, it's not the end of the world if you lose, but man, you have a chance to really continue to build – some momentum in a sport that can be up and down from game to game
1: well and building momentum is especially important considering the fact that you have another huge test coming up on tuesday night going on the road to tennessee another perennial national championship contending team that is lighting the world on fire this year in sec play so far so so this game's kind of sandwiched in the middle that you know you just can't look past it again and coach paris mentioned it last night in carolina calls as well that you know he's been kind of preaching it to the guys this week like I want you to feel like to treat the Missouri game from a couple weeks ago like you lost it. And, again, you tied it up in the last couple seconds. I think uh, Cooper hit the the tying shot to send it overtime, and then you won the game in overtime. But you were behind for most of that game, and you had to claw your way back at the end to find a way to win. So it wasn't your best game of basketball. You still found a way to win. And, you know, you got to kind of, um, you know, uh, again, now that you've maybe lost a little bit of the chip on your shoulder that, oh, nobody respects us, nobody's paying attention to us, you got to find those other ways to motivate these guys, and hopefully that's one of them, um, you know, with kind of knowing that this is an opponent that nearly got you a couple weeks ago.
0: And I think uh, p- part of Lamont Paris's point in that clip you we were listening to is that in this league, you were always a couple or a few good games away from looking around and being like, hey, we're on a run here, and you're always two or three Tough games away from being like, man, this thing is this thing falling apart? What, mm-hmm. What's happening? And so you, you have built up a little bit of a buffer for yourself. You're sitting there at four and two. You got to keep taking advantage of these opportunities. This is a zero and six in conference play, Missouri team. It's at your house. You, you got to just keep keep this momentum going because n- not only do you have, like you said, Tyler, number five Tennessee. You go to Georgia after that, so mm-hmm. you got back to back road games a Georgia team that just beat you in Columbia. And so it, it, it would be very easy for this thing to kind of get off the tracks a little bit if you don't take, it, take advantage of the situation you have right now. But, um, man, you've got so many of your veteran guys playing well right now. They've been able to kind of share the spotlight a little bit. We talked about it. You know, I thought this would have been a game Tuesday where Michi needs to just go off like he did against Kentucky last year. Kentucky kind of didn't take him away, but th- there was a focus there. It seems like, and Talon Cooper, who generally is known as a sharer of the basketball, and he did still distribute the ball. He said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what's there when it's there," and uh, had his best overall game as a Gamecock. And so, you're starting to see other guys step up. They're they're doing this without Studi, who's mm-hmm. been a starter for them. Yep, Zachary Davis brings something a little bit different. You know, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more defense there kobe wright stepped up in some ways i think we're seeing this team get a little bit deeper sure as the year progresses and um colin murray bulls you're you've seen the last what two weeks three weeks he's started to like really come into his own
1: his maturity for a guy that's been playing at this level pretty much for only about a month or so now because he missed the, the start of the season with, with the with the mono stuff like he's just getting better each and every week and it's so exciting you see what the potential and the excitement was around him coming into this season and you know grabbing the nine rebounds the other night and playing so great on defense like you see that and it's very exciting to see what he's going to become over the next couple of years here at South Carolina you mentioned Studi; he did mention that yesterday a little bit of an injury report that he is already kind of back in the gym working on some stuff that was his non-shooting shoulder that he injured and again the timeline was about two three weeks when he was injured against Georgia um you know last week so hopefully we'll have him back in the fall soon and again if you can continue to play the way that you play without him when you add him back to that lineup that's only going to make the team that much better
0: he in the video I saw of them celebrating and dancing he looked like he wasn't really favoring that shoulder sure any at all which I thought was a good sign for that it's coming back right I, I think you're gonna you're gonna maybe have some decisions to make as far as how to handle this rotation when he gets back but again that's a that's a good problem to have and like you said with uh with Kyle Murray Boyles man I just I like the mindset of this dude he's obviously. Incredibly talented. That's the first part, but his mindset as a true freshman, it, he always almost has this little smirk on his face. Like he looks like he is having a blast, but he also is confident. Um, he, he's go, you know going up against Kentucky and potential draft picks and top one hundred prospects. Didn't look phased at all. Sure, and so he he. I mean, if you're if you're South Carolina. In today's college basketball, you're already starting to look ahead, like keep this guy around a few years because he could actually he could go down as one of the all time greats, I feel like, if he keeps uh, progressing.
1: Absolutely. Again, back in action tomorrow, Clinton Athlete Arena, one o'clock taking on Missouri pregame coverage starting right here at twelve thirty. On the game. It's also a big weekend from a recruiting standpoint as well. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the GameCock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs up next here on the game, the 107.5 the game app, streaming live on the game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the GameCock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell, along with you for a few more minutes here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach, streaming live on the game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass and on the 107.5 game app as well just head to your app store whether it be the apple app store or the google play store and you can download and listen to us wherever you go obviously a big weekend from the standpoint of basketball got men's team in action tomorrow women back in action quick turnaround as they take on vanderbilt on sunday obviously have the nfl playoffs with the conference championship games coming up on sunday but as we are now in the new year going to be having a lot of recruiting weekends coming up including another junior day coming up tomorrow with a long list of of uh, 2025 and 2026 prospects expected to be on campus here for the Gamecocks. Yeah, so
0: there was junior day last week, junior day this week, and for those who are paying attention on Twitter, you probably have seen a lot of photos just of the staff being out and about. And one thing Chris and I – like this, this was reported months ago, but it, it kind of just went by the wayside. I don't know how many people even took note of it, but it used to be this time of year, Tyler – you could only meet with senior prospects if mm. you are a coaching staff. So you had this weird thing where, like, hey, Shane Beamer goes by um, Rock Hill High School. South Carolina's recruiting Malik Clark there, wide receiver, 2025. And Beamer would be, a, or any coach, would be able to go talk to the head coach and could talk to the coach about Malik. And oh, if he happened to see Malik in the hallway, he could be like, What's up, man? I can't talk to you, but what's up?
1: And there's a name for this. It's the bump rule. The bump rule.
0: So, ridiculousness, right? Sure. But so, they changed it because almost all the seniors who you would have been meeting for, for like those final conversations before they signed in February, traditionally, mm-hmm. Yep. all those guys have already signed. Sure. So, now you're on the road specifically for 2025s and 2026s at this point, you're rising – actually now rising seniors and rising juniors. Well, so now in terms of those juniors, starting January 1, you can actually meet with those guys if you are a staff.
1: Preston has told me some funny stories about that kind of bump rule thing where you're, as a coach, technically not allowed to talk to X player when you're on campus unless, you know, you just happen to see him or whatever. And, you know, he said there would be coaches that he'd be talking to. And X players, like, in the room – but they're basically using the coach as like the means, like, "Hey, tell so and so this, or tell so and so that." Like, it's so dumb, you have to adhere to these rules. But as we know, there's a lot a laundry list of things when it comes to recruiting that you're not supposed to violate, and that is one rule that at least has been alleviated now that you know the college football calendar has shifted around, where the, stuff like that can't take place anymore.
0: Yep. So, uh, so for for juniors, this is really uh, or, or rising juniors, I should say. So these kids are in the middle of their junior years academically. It really starts to get going, and that includes junior days as well. South Carolina, another one tomorrow. A couple of big names. Some of these South Carolina fans already really probably know if they follow recruiting. Uh, Jontae Gilbert, Atlanta, Georgia, four-star DB that's been on campus like 100 times, I feel Mm -hmm. like, was at one point committed to Ohio State, decommitted. South Carolina's been in a good spot. Clemson has been in a good spot. Uh, Jalen Gilchrist, who is a four-star offensive lineman for Virginia, he's been on campus a number of times, I I feel like his – Really emerged as a guy that there's a ton of mutual interest. And then a couple of big-name edge rushers. Jared Smith, who's out of Alabama, he's been on campus a, a couple times before. But he's the, as far as guys we have confirmed will be here, he's the highest-rated guy. He's a top-50 overall prospect, a top-five edge prospect. And, I mean, that's just an all-out recruiting battle right there with with all the halves in college football. And then we actually did confirm Isaiah Gibson who is from Warner Robins, Georgia, four-star edge, been on campus a few times and Georgia heavily involved here. I think there's some confidence on the Georgia side, but South Carolina has been heavily involved here for a while. Got him on campus multiple times. Never count Sterling Lucas out in, mm-hmm. in those battles. And, and then, uh, you know, you can go read what is not a full list, but a little bit more comprehensive list on Gamecock Central but several in-state guys coming in Jaden Sellers receiver who's committed Anthony Addison a edge from Sumter High School that was somewhat recently offered by South Carolina and then um, a handful of actually 2026 that will be in as well
1: again big weekend from a recruiting standpoint as well as both basketball teams in action on Saturday and Sunday and obviously have the NFL playoffs uh, conference championship games on Sunday as well as we wrap up here uh, who, who are the two teams heading to the Super Bowl for you?
0: Oh, man.
1: I, I I feel like it's it's got to be
0: Ravens and Niners. Like, okay. I, I think those are the two best teams. I think down the stretch they have consistently been the two best teams. If somebody gets knocked off, though, I actually think it's the Niners that get knocked off among okay. the
1: two. Maybe, maybe hop on the Lions bandwagon a little bit there. It, it is, is fun. It's been a fun story. It's, it's been, been great. Been, be cool to see him ride into the Super Bowl for sure. We'll see what happens this weekend. We'll react to it coming up on Monday. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with myself and Terry Ford coming up next here on The Game, the 107.5 The Game app, Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass.
0: All right, guys, we've been telling you the last few weeks about our newest sponsor and supporter here on the show, our friends at Classic Roofing. They're offering residential and commercial roofing services throughout the Columbia, South Carolina area and beyond. Uh, Joe Reeder and Max Sawyer, they're both longtime residents of the state of South Carolina with families who live right here. Give them a call today, 803-590-7870 or head on over to ClassicRoofingSC.com for information on their services or to set up a free estimate. Uh, Maybe your roof has not been looked at in a long time. That was the case for myself and my wife. Uh, we had them come out and say, hey, look, here, here's how much time this roof might have left. Here's some small repairs we could do in the meantime. Here's what it might look like if you wait a couple of years. And, and really, we came up with a plan for our roof. They can do the exact same for you. Again, ClassicRoofingSC.com for more info or just give them a call, 803-590-7870.